0: Good morning, everyone. Uh, Let's Kings chapter uh, 19, 1 Kings 19. And we're going to be reading from verse 1 to 18. My app's just died. Sorry. Do you know what? I'm going to read from the screen. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had. And that's just died as well. <laughs> Here we go again. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid, and he arose and ran for his life, and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die, saying, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life. For I am no better than my fathers. And he lay down and slept under a broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and ate and drank, and went in the strength of that food forty days and forty nights to Horeb, the mount of God. There he came to a cave and lodged in it, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord, There came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazael to be king over Syria. And Jehu, son of Nimshi, you shall anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat and Abel sorry, and shall anoint to be prophet in your place. And the one who escapes from the sword of Hazael shall Jehu put to death. And the one who escapes from the sword of Jesus leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. Here ends the reading. Let's welcome Glenn back up. Good to have you back.
1: Or is it, oh yep, there we go. Sorry, I should have done that early, but I was listening to that story. It's an awesome story, isn't it? it makes you uh, engage with the word. It's good. Uh, good to be back in uh, at One Hope. Come down the hills when last uh, year, and um, I was really excited about coming back and preaching and uh, hearing more of your story and being part of uh, this journey. So good to be with you. The first line on my sermon is: "How are you feeling this morning?" I think um, Carol has set the tone a little bit through um, our worship time and some of her words there and the songs that we were singing. How was your week?" It's a question we throw out there pretty often, don't we? Most of the time we don't really expect a real answer. And uh, I think you probably answer that question. If someone asks you how your week is, you probably answer it depending on how well you know them or um, what's connected. Um, Sometimes when people ask me that question, I feel like I'm a bit too honest and uh, I'll tell them really how I'm feeling and then I get the sense of, oh no, I didn't really want you to say that much. But as you're thinking about uh, how you're feeling, well, uh, feeling, or how your week was, what about if I asked you, um, "How's your heart this morning? Where's your heart at this morning?" Or a question of, um, "How's your faith? How's your faith after all that we see?" going on in the world of all we might have experienced this week. Do you come here this morning confident in that faith? Or a little bit shaken in it? I'm sure that there are some of us here this morning who have experienced God in powerful ways this week, heard his voice or seen his work in our lives known his presence with us. There are probably others here uh, that are less confident. Coralyn and I had, um, sorry, Colin, I forgot to tell you that I was going to share this, but <laughs> bad. Um, We had one of those nights during the week where we, we just couldn't sleep. And we've had them over the years. Um, and Coralyn, and nursing shift work sort of throws you around. and. Um, Often in those places we pray and we pray just like, I've got to get up go to work tomorrow. and we don't fall to sleep. And, it beca- and then night time starts to play with your head a bit and I don't know, even if spiritual things start to happen there and in the, in the night and you're sleep deprived and you're frustrated and you just, we've given up praying. We've given up praying because God doesn't seem to answer that prayer with sleep often. But sleep's sort of a small thing, but what about bigger things that maybe you get angry at or frustrated with? Where do you turn to for help in those situations? Are there idols or distractions that you turn to to try and help you through nights like that or situations where you're struggling with? There are maybe some among us here this morning who feel like their faith is just hanging on by a thread, not even sure if God is real. He hasn't kept his end of the bargain in terms of the way we thought our lives would turn out. that maybe you feel like you feel like giving up on God. that uh, faith is even smaller than a mustard seed and you can just barely hang on. God's distant. And you've started looking elsewhere to try and get through, to find help, to negotiate these times. Where do you go when you need help in life? Where do you go when you're not feeling great? Today's sermon, I've given the title, God, and I've underlined, will watch over your life. It's actually, it's a promise from God, it's a commitment from God that he will watch over your life. And I think it particularly speaks to us um, in situations of doubt and uncertainty. And I think... As we sit here this morning, all of us experience doubt and uncertainty in certain levels. And some of us might be having that more this morning than others. But I had the sense that God was wanting us to hear um, this word from him this morning. And so as the psalm that um, Mick led into the service with this morning says that God watches over our coming and our going. He watches, that sort of sums up, he watches over every part of your life. Every minute, every second, God has promised to be with you, to watch over you, to be present. In the ups and the downs and the big things and the little things, the everyday things, the now things, but also in the evermore things. Seven times in this short little storm, God says he will watch over us. It's a promise to us that he will keep us and protect us in our times of doubt and sin and uncertainty and frustration. It's a claim that the Bible says is true, even when we don't feel it is. Even when we forget that it is. Even when we reject it. Um, I preached on this psalm at uh, Todd and George's wedding and um, I was only filling in for the great Joel Pops and um, he helped write that sermon and um, he had this phrase that he summed up this um, psalm in and it said, God never sleeps and always keeps. And every time I come back to this psalm, it just rings in my head, God never sleeps and he always keeps. It's a promise that God reminds us uh, this morning as we begin another week, as we head into another week where our uncertainties, our frustrations, our doubts will confront us again and God wants wants you to hear this morning that he never sleeps and he always keeps. That he is present, that he is our perfect father and we are his kids. He watches over us and will get us through, as I said, whether we feel it or not. Whatever our situation, God's promise is to be with us in the midst of it. And so this morning, I think God asks us and I'm asking you too, will you trust him in that? No matter where you are in your faith situation, no matter what's coming your way, he's asking you to trust him, that he is watching over, that he is with you, and he will keep you through. So, this psalm is 121, sort of, but it's using Elijah's story Um, because I think Elijah in this story lives out Psalm 121 and it's actually a great way for us to walk through this story and think about how to apply Psalm 120. Uh, Both of them are classic passages, aren't they? Uh, The Psalm 121 starts off, um, I lift my eyes to the hills, where does my help come from? And that question I've been asking you, where do you go for help? What do you look for? Because in Elisha's time, Israel was looking to the hills, but in Elisha's time, God wasn't ap- wasn't often represented on those hills. There were often idols and uh, other gods that were on those hills. So the Asherah poles and the, the temples to Baal were on the hills. And Israel was looking to uh, idolatry, to other idols, to try and help them through their situations. Did you pick up, like... Elijah's heart is saying the rest of Israel have turned away from you and they're looking for help elsewhere They've turned to The gods of the sun or the moon They're looking for gods to bless their seasons and help them through whatever their situation may be And those are or idolatry is is basically a bit of a it's, it's a works-based religion <laughs> either by fear you're driven to do stuff so that the gods will act or uh, there's this sense that the gods are sort of not really interested in my life and I have to do lots of stuff and I have to do extreme stuff in order to wake them up and if they don't wake up they won't be able to help me through this situation that in times of need and doubt, they would look to other ways to try and uh, get the gods to help them through uh, their situations. Israel had turned to Baal and turned away from God. Everyone was doing it or in the countries around them. Maybe it seemed more real to them, something they could grasp and see Maybe they realise the power that comes from, I can do this myself, I can get myself out of this, I can help myself. I don't know if those words ring true for you, but I know them in my own heart. As I go through frustrations and doubts, try and work it out myself, I look for distractions in the things that are created rather than the God who made them. So where do you go? Psalm 121 is a song of ascents. Uh, so as the Israelites came into Jerusalem, the temple was on the, the hill of Jerusalem and they would come up and they would sing uh, songs and they would remind them that that temple told them a story. <laughs> told the, the story in that temple was a story of a God who made the heavens and the earth and called his, that he would be their God and that um, he would watch over them and keep them as his people. And so as we gather as God's people each week, that's what we do. We look to him, we look to the one who made it all and we ask him to help us in our doubt and frustration and anger and uncertainty, knowing that he doesn't sleep and that he's actually keeping us in his hands no matter how we may feel. I often use the line in this that he doesn't sleep so that we can. And there's that sort of that, that picture that our, our lives are in God's hands. And even if we have restless nights and we don't sleep, that God is still with us and present with us. And that we can have a sense of peace, inner peace, um, even when uh, our feelings are, are tough and we're suffering and it's hard. God had them through Israel's history of rebellion. God keeps a remnant of people for Himself. He keeps working out His plan uh, to walk with His people to bring about their salvation and their redemption. Uh, he always kept a son of David on the throne. And if we think about how that sort of worked itself out through the course of the Old Testament, that we knew, we know that He kept His promises to God by uh, to His people by sending his son Jesus. It's about bringing bringing about the Messiah. That when the Israelites engaged in the sacrificial system, it wasn't to win favour with God, to wake up God, to make him do stuff for them. It was a reminder to them that even in their sin and their brokenness, God had a plan to save them. And even in their rebellion and their sinfulness and brokenness, he was still watching over them and he was still keeping them. So God kept them through keeping his covenant promises. Even when it didn't feel like it. And it looked like God had left them and abandoned them to their enemies. And so we can see God's ultimate uh, keeping of his people in the life and death of Jesus. And so as Jesus makes uh, the way to the Father for us and lived the life that we couldn't live and died the death that we should have, we can see he is faithful to his promises, that he is watching and he is keeping. And those promises are true for all who will trust him and believe it and keep believing it and keep that pattern of repentance and belief and faith. I often think of the heroes of the faith in Hebrews 11. When you read through them, they are people just riddled with messed up lives, riddled with sins of rebellion and doubt. And I think the only reason they get left in there and listed in there is they hung on to the end. They kept coming back and trusting him. And even in their rebellion and brokenness and messed upness, they kept coming back, no, I'll trust you, even though it doesn't feel like it or I've gone my own way again. And and I kept coming back and I kept trusting you because I, I believed that in the end, you'll come through God. And here in Elijah's story, it's interesting because chapter 18, which Luke read for us sorry um, chapter 19 which Luke read for us comes on the back of chapter 18 and I don't know if you sort of when you were reading that knew what just came before it what just came before it in chapter 18 is the classic Elijah story where he fights with the prophets of Baal and as he's arguing and fighting with them he calls down fire from heaven and fire from heaven comes down and destroys the altars and destroys the prophets and he wins this great victory Surely, as he came away from that, he was on a high, saying, let's go, God. What next? Where are we going? What are you going to do now? Some mountaintop experience. But I think, as many of us would attest, and as the Bible records for us, that often lows follow highs. Because it's only within a matter of days that this story is recorded that Queen Jezebel makes some sort of threat to his life. And what does Elisha do? Come on, let's bring down fire from heaven or what? No. What does he do? He runs for the hills. And he's not running towards God, is he? He runs away from God. He goes now to the hills, to the hill country, to escape from God. But somehow he's doubting God's faithfulness into that as we read his answers as to what he's doing there it's like God it's pointless I'm giving up no one's listening anymore I'm the only one left and he's beginning to doubt God's plan and God's work and in the midst of his rebellion that, that doubt he still talks to God and he's honest with God and he falls asleep under this bush and while he's asleep in that place God is watching and is keeping. And he comes to him through angelic being and gives him food and provides for him. But then he does an interesting thing. Did you hear that? He gives him a meal and that meal is to last him for the next 40 days. For the next 40 days, he takes him out into the wilderness to up in, onto the hill And it's a bit of a special hill. you pick up what hill it was? It was Mount Horeb. Another name for Mount Horeb is Mount Sinai. You realise what happened at Mount Sinai. This is where it began. God promised in that place that he would be Israel's God and that he would keep them, watch over them and protect them. They would be his people and he would never leave them. And he would be working his plan to save them and bring them to him. And so God brings him up to that hill. And you wonder what what Elijah must have been thinking there. And then he has these amazing, powerful experiences. Wind that smashes rocks apart. Earthquakes that he probably couldn't stand. Fire, which I think is ironic, isn't it? he's just come from burning up the prophets it's interesting god is not in any of them and god speaks to him in a whisper in an everyday voice and he doesn't come with profound messages or anything He just says what are you doing here Do you think I've given up on my promises? Do you think I'm not going to follow through with my people? I think God often speaks to us in just the little everyday whispers of life. He reminds us of his promises. Are we listening, hearing, hearing? Just this week, I just got a message from Holly Boniface. And this week, um, we're catching up for a coffee because we're Hills people now. (laughs) Um, And um, she shared this little, and I opened my, I've got this little devotion book. I opened it up and it had Holly's name in it. She gave it to me ages ago and I read this devotion. It It just spoke to me powerfully. And I shared it with a photo and she said, oh, what did it say? And I sent it to her. And she said, it's crazy because I, I was just, it was an encouragement in times of doubt, basically. She said, I was just having a really bad morning <laughs> and I just needed to hear that. And just sort of through this text message, both of us just heard again the promises of God, the faithfulness to it, it, was, it was sort of about um, experience God's strength in our weakness. And these promises often come through text, through devotion books, through songs, through one another. As we remind each other of God's faithfulness. Because the reality is we can often feel like Elijah, can't we? Of giving up, of having enough. It gets pretty extreme, doesn't it? He says, take my life, like it's not worth living anymore, God. Feels like God's not present. He's not doing the powerful things that he used to and it's uncertain. And it's not sure. We're not sure. But it's in those times and places we have to remind ourselves that the, the truth is quite different from what we might be feeling and experiencing. But as God takes Elijah to the hills, he reminds him of the promise. He whispers him to him in the midst of his despair that Israel, they are my people. And I am their God. And then he does a very interesting thing. And he says, now just go back and do your job. You see that at the end? Because what was the job of the prophet? The job of the prophet was to anoint kings and to raise up other prophets. So now I want you to go back and do your job. (laughs) Now you, you know this truth. Go back and do your job. And by the way... There's 7,000 people in Israel. <laughs> There's a whole lot of work that I'm doing that you have no idea about. You may not feel it, you may not be experiencing it, but I'm at work in this world and I'm doing things in the lives of people. Trust me, put your faith in me and do your job. The gentle whisper that comes to us I was reminded of again this week that God's watching over my life, my coming and going. I read Philippians 4 again. We're in the midst of turmoil and anxiety. Paul reminds us that the Lord is near when it doesn't feel like it. Romans 8, I read again, nothing can separate you, that in Christ Christ. I can look to him high and lift it up and know that through Christ that there's nothing that separates me from the love of God. He's always watching, he's always keeping. God is always present, he's always at work. And as he reminded Elijah, I want to remind you this morning as well. As you've heard this this morning, now go and do your job. go and do your job. <laughs> you might be asking, what's the job? <laughs> well, I think the job is, for God's people, is to live a life of faith. To trust that he is who he says he is and that we are who we are because of what he said and did. And our job is to live a faith response in our everyday lives. It's interesting, I was thinking of the Ten Commandments that were written on that hill, and the first few of them, you shall have no other gods, and you don't make any idols. (laughs) You see, and as I've said here many times, these commandments are just not a list of rules to keep God happy. They show us what faith looks like, what faith and love looks like, what trust looks like, saying there is one God, He made everything, and I'll believe and trust Him. I'm not going to put other things in the way... (laughs) I'm going to repent and turn away from those and come back to the creator, the one who made it all, the one who made me and knows me, the one who is always watching over and keeping uh, us as his people. Our job is to live a life of worship, to recognise that and to speak about it, to gather here each Sunday and express it to encourage each other during the week with it, to trust that in our coming and going, He is who He is, who He is, who He said He was. That as we go through whatever we go through, we can trust that sometimes God is going to intervene with miraculous power. So keep praying for that and asking for that, because if we believe that's. What he's asking us to do, keep doing it. Because he, at times, intervenes in miraculous and powerful ways. Other times, he just gives us the strength to get through. Just to keep putting one foot in front of the other, to get up each day, to head into whatever might be there. He says, I'm with you and I'll give you the strength to get through this day. Sometimes he shouts out his presence and answers your prayers in Powerful and very specific ways. Other times he speaks in a random whisper, a gentle whisper, obscure ways. That this creator of the universe, the one we can call father, he never sleeps and he always keeps. So people this morning, lift up your heads. Put your faith in the maker of heaven and earth. Remind each other, like the Song of Ascents, Israelites sang this song together. They often would recall the stories of the scriptures together to be reminded of God's promises and his faithfulness. That we are not alone in these situations, that God has given us people and other Christians around us. So put your faith in him, knowing that he always watches over, he always, he always keeps. And now, let's live our lives, even though it might not feel like it, and it's, we can't work it out. Often, faith and aligning ourselves to the truth will begin to make us feel different. So the situation may not be taken away, but we may be able to view that situation with more hope. That we might actually begin to feel a bit more confident amidst the confusion, to be able to take the next step. That in the midst of our grief, there might be an inner joy. Then our weakness, we might... Feel a little bit stronger. So put your faith again this morning in the maker of heaven and earth. Let's pray. Lord and God, we thank you for your word that it is living and active. We thank you for your spirit that takes that work and applies it to our hearts. And so this morning we thank you for your activity amongst us that we have heard your word and experienced your spirit. And so, Lord, as we uh, contemplate, reflect and think on these words that we've heard, we ask that you would help us with our unbelief. We ask this morning that you would increase our faith, that you would help us to turn away from the idols of this world the biggest one being ourselves, and turn back to you. And so, Lord, that's this morning what we want to do. We want to repent and turn back to you. We want to confess to you our doubt and our unbelief, our idolatry. And we want to turn back to you, the creator of all things. We want to lift our heads this morning to the one who made the hills, the one who made the heavens and the earth the one who is over all and through all and in all. We give you praise in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's sing.